At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. I want to thank our sponsors, Mr. David Wolf, who produces these podcasts. And without his team and their expertise, it would be almost impossible to do these on the support network that we currently have. A special shout out to their team and Mr. Wolf. I also want to thank Patterson Dental, Henry Shine, Vocal, and On Demand. Without their consistent support, these podcasts would also be extremely difficult. Our last podcast, I had a special guest, Mr. Ben Tunane, who, let's just say, is an expert in insurance negotiation. If you didn't listen to his initial podcast, basically his team, Veritas, resource goes in and negotiates and tries to get the dental profession a fairer and better compensation for their expertise, their training, their knowledge, and their care. In the last segment, just a summary, his experience since 2007 with literally thousands of dental practices and several billion dollars in extra reimbursement to the dental community. He's come up with some basic information that it maybe take between four and eight to 12 months to complete a negotiation. He generally recommends that the people who are credentialing our doctors are the first line to start negotiating improvement. And like anything, leave it to the people who are experts in doing this with his particular team. And I'm sure there's other companies, but Ben has an excellent track record of success. Ben, welcome to another podcast with Ascent Dental Solutions. As you know, I've been practicing general dentistry for about 38 years. 
I've owned as many as 25 dental practices, several hundred employees. I've purchased and sold close to 30 dental practices in my career. I've sold to service manage organizations, managed service organizations, dental service organizations. I've negotiated with venture capitals. And over the course of time, one of the most difficult things I personally have found is dealing with these insurance companies really requires experts, people who know what they're doing and how to do it. And welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time from your busy schedule. To pick up where we left, Ben, I just had a question. We were talking in our previous podcast about when a negotiated fee is increased in an insurance company, are they or are they not obligated to provide that information and increase to other practices in the area? And you answered that question expertly. But one of my thoughts was, and maybe you can tell me or my listeners uh, that I'm incorrect, is that generally an insurance company looks at a particular zip code, takes a look at the fees in that zip code, and then comes up with sort of an actuarial average that in that particular zip code, the average fee for procedure A, B, or C is X. And if they give me a five or 10 or 15% increase, wouldn't that inadvertently raise the fee schedule for that particular area? And inadvertently, the dentists that don't have the expertise or the support of a company like yourself, would they not benefit or am I wrong in that thinking? That's a very good question. And, and it's great to, to be back with you, Dr. Kevin. I really enjoyed our first meeting that we had. To answer your question about raising the data bar in terms of fee increases and fee schedule data and percentiles, the insurance industry does a lot less analytics than, than what you would think in terms of you know, raising the fee schedule bar. If they give you a fee increase, would that raise the percentiles? My data indicates that Less than 20% of dental practices out there actually have a fee schedule that's been properly negotiated. When I say properly, you know, there are a lot of practices that do attempt to negotiate, but they don't get anywhere near the level of increases that the insurance carriers can offer or could offer if you if you applied some, some focus to the negotiations. So not every practice does have that high fee schedule, high negotiated fee schedule that would even put a a, a dent in the insurance company's percentiles. Now, the other component to this, Dr. Kevin, that I wanna answer is that when you look at the insurance company revenue structure, the fees that are given to dentists on average in network doctors nationwide, you can negotiate with 30 to 40 to 50% of the dentists and give them the appropriate fees. And that also wouldn't even put a dent in the revenue structure for an insurance company. And here's why. According to the, um, we did uh, Freedom of Information Act requests to get loss ratio data for every insurance plan that exists. Now, loss ratio, in short, is the percentage of premium dollars that's actually paid on medical or dental services. The loss ratio, the highest percentage loss ratio is Delta Dental in most states at 60%. Most insurance carriers, if I were to give an average for the rest of them, the rest, rest of the industry is at 50%, which means that of all the premiums that Delta collects, only 60% of that reaches the dental practice. And then for the rest of the industry, the MetLife, the Aetna's, the Cigna's, only 50 cents on the dollar gets back to the dentist. 
So that begs the question, is there enough of a budget to raise fees across the board to compensate in-network providers better? And in my estimation, the answer to that is yes. But of course, this is a business. Insurance companies don't want to do that because they have to answer to their shareholders as well as their CEOs that, you know, most CEOs in, in, in dentistry make uh, multi-millions, you know, anywhere between three to $15 million a year, you know? So there are people at the top that need to be compensated. Most importantly, the shareholders that need to be compensated as a result of not paying you what they can pay, what they should be paying you. That's absolutely amazing to me. I can tell you, I've had as many as 30 some odd dental associates, some very experienced, some just out of school. And my understanding is their breadth of business knowledge after four years of higher education is as close to zero as you could possibly get. And I think listening to experts like yourself educate our listeners, and even people like myself who consider uh, having a, a fair amount of experience really lack the appropriate knowledge to make sure we're being compensated fairly. Uh, if you don't mind, and I'm not putting you on the spot, taking a company like Veritas, your particular company, and I believe that name means truth, correct? That is correct. And, uh, it's almost yeah. ironic when you're dealing with insurance companies. Sometimes that could be a misnomer, but your company has an incredible reputation and you as an individual also have an excellent reputation. But my question is, is how is your company compensated when a small group, a large group, or an individual calls up Veritas and says, look it, I need help. The compensation is dramatically under par for the time, effort, and expertise. How is your company actually compensated when you're hired to take on a project? Good question. First of all, thank you for the kind comment. I truly appreciate it. So we, we are paid by the dentist. Our clients are strictly dentists or dental business owners. What we come up with is a flat fee. So just like when you visit with a new patient, you perform an examination on the patient and x-rays and so forth, the diagnostic procedures to find out what's going on. We do the same thing and our diagnostics are just questions. We want to know where the practice is at with fees, their participation structure with insurance, and then a variety of other things as it pertains to patient numbers and overall insurance activity within the practice. And as soon as we find out what we need to know, we then draft our version of a treatment plan that is a customized approach for that particular practice on what can be done to raise the bar of fees, reimbursements, whether it be negotiations, use of umbrella networks uh, more, more fully, or even coding issues within the practice that we can help resolve. We'll then put together a custom quote as well in, uh, that, that really is a fee, a flat fee for the time that we spend helping the doctor achieve every goal or every objective within that particular treatment plan. Our work is fully guaranteed to where you know, a client doesn't make any more money than what they pay, then of course, we write checks back to those clients. And to be honest, Dr. Kevin, we've, I can count uh, on one hand how many times I've written a, re a refund check to clients across the country because we didn't make them any more than what they paid. The average rate of return that we typically see, so for an $800,000 practice, solo practitioner, of course, that practice usually would see anywhere between a 40 
to $95,000 revenue increase from fee negotiations. Now, depending on the level of coding training that they implement, that can add another fifty dollars to $100,000 as well. Again, depending on what issues they may have had in the past, the underutilization of codes and so forth. For group practices, of course, that's multiplied, where they typically get a significant rate of return. Uh, and you might be asking, you know, why, why, why do you charge so low compared to the return on investment? Unfortunately, pricing in dentistry has sort of been set for this type of service. And not that the companies that are involved have colluded in a very, very bad way <laughs> to not establish an appropriate fee. I do know of companies out there that charge 20% of your increase which is significantly higher than other companies like ours on, on what we charge, those companies have a hard time growing. And that's simply because it just they, they just look too greedy to the doctors. And I, I you know, that's an acceptable argument. But in, in, in essence, you know, most companies like ours, it's a flat fee. And the rate of return that you get is, is usually anywhere between 15 to 30 times what you pay during the first year of negotiations. Let me ask you a follow-up question, Ben, if you don't mind. Sure, Let's no just say in 2021, your company has been hired and you've negotiated, and just for this conversation, you've increased our bottom line on average by 10%. And it took your company between four and eight months to accomplish that task. What happens in 2022? Do you go back to the well and say, hey, my costs have increased, all costs have increased, the cost of living, everything has increased. Does your company go back in year after year? Or do you tell, look at uh, Dr. Coughlin, we'd like to take a rest for 12 to 18 months, and then we're going to go back in and we're going to negotiate again. How, how is that strategy and how does that play out? Very good question. Now, when you negotiate fees for a client, using your example in 2020, typically the fee agreements would be in place for at least two years. So your next round of eligible negotiations would be in 2022. 2021, you know, unfortunately, we have a very, very loyal clientele, which we work very, very hard to earn that loyalty. The next year following the initial year of negotiations, we still like to keep in touch with those clients as with this year, you know, a lot of our clients uh, that we worked with last year got fee reduction notices from Aetna, you know, where Aetna saying, we'll give you a $10,000 check today if you agree to take a, a fee schedule that's 17% less or 20% less than what you, what you have currently assigned. So, so there are questions like that that always come up during the following years where we, we put together seminars for our clients as well as, you know, I'll reach out to those clients individually and say, hey, this is what you need to do. And here are the instructions to do that. Now, if they need more handholding and more help, of course, they'll, they'll, they'll hire us on a case-by-case -case basis to walk them through a particular insurance issue like this Aetna example that I shared. But that second year following the initial year of negotiations is more of just helping monitor certain situations, uh, fixing any contracting issues, or just answering questions here and there. But we're very, very much interested in keeping in touch with our clients so that we can better prepare for the for round two of negotiations, which is during year two. During year two, at that point, we'll reassess the situation, look at rates for the area, put together a new treatment plan for the doctor to address negotiating needs at that time. 
And for the state of Massachusetts, which is where I currently practice, in a state like that, the largest government or federal government or state government is called Medicaid or MassHealth. Are those able to be negotiated or because they're state or government plans, it's not worth the time and effort to negotiate? Those are more or less fixed and solid. Or is there wiggle room even in plans like that? Good question. Now, MassHealth, we have seen some negotiations with MassHealth. Not a lot, simply because with government entities, you have to get very special approval from a certain very high up person at that carrier to get a fee increase. And it's typically the fee increases that I've I've been a part of are are typically given to people that know somebody at MassHealth that's at that executive level where you're building a solid argument about quality care and convincing those individuals to approve a fee increase. The vast majority of the doctors wouldn't be able to get that same fee increase, even if you had knowledge of it, simply because government entities, um, they have to stay within a budget uh, to compensate uh, all provider networks. And it's not like insurance carriers where, you know, insurance carriers are collecting premiums and, and only paying 60 cents on the dollar or 50 cents on the dollar to the doctors. The government entities have a very strict budget that that's what what's not used is put back or even rolled over to, to future years or allocated to other government departments. The money just doesn't sit there. Money doesn't even earn interest on the government level. It's almost always spent. So the government does have specific guidelines on where fees need to be and where their average reimbursements need to be without running risk of asking their local legislators for another increase for the mass health budget. So I wouldn't put too much stock into the um, mass health or Medicaid negotiations in other states, unless you really knew somebody at the higher ups where there's a better opportunity to get, you know, bend the ear of somebody that could make some changes for you. I just know sharing some personal stories with some of my listeners in the state of Massachusetts to provide inhalation sedation like nitrous oxide or laughing gas for those non-clinical people listening. The reimbursement isn't based on time. It's a flat fee. And that flat fee is $14. And for most clinicians dealing with the subsidized plans, many times there are health history medical issues, developmental uh, management issues. And these patients require exceptional amounts of extra skill, time, and patience. And the compensation rate when you're using uh, an oral or an inhalation sedation of $14, regardless of whether it takes you a half hour or two hours, is just, it's just mathematically impossible. I don't know how they can expect anyone to be done, yet if you're enrolled in these plans and that patient demands that treatment, you have to provide that care. And another thing in sharing some personal information, if that individual on Medicaid or MassHealth has a hearing impairment, we actually have to hire someone who can sign and they're generally compensated at $85 an hour. And that fee is actually charged to the dentist or that dental company. And when the reimbursement for the exam and the consultation is $47, it's, again, mathematically impossible. And if the patient, for whatever reason, doesn't show up because of a broken appointment, whatever the reason, the interpreter or the person providing uh, the support is still compensated at $85 an hour. 
So I think our listeners can hear from the tone in my voice, the frustration that I think most dentists who are generally small business men and women find the frustration and the irritation. And to have people like you support us and get the word out that your company can provide some expertise at a fair rate and give us a significant return, I believe you're stated between 15 and 30 times, is extraordinary. Your expertise, your ability to talk to this podcast and our listeners, I can't thank you enough. Is there a way, Ben, uh, that you can share if people wanted more knowledge about you, your company, to think about reaching out to hire you for your expertise and help? How can they get in touch with you? Thank you so much for, for asking. Uh, feel free to call me. Uh, call my office at 888-808-4513. I may not always be available, but you can schedule an appointment to chat with me. Or you can send me an email if you have a question. You know, as We can talk for days about this topic of negotiations and insurance-related issues. Um, you can email me your questions, ben at veritasdentalresources.com. Veritas is spelled V as in Victor, E-R-I-T-A-S. Ben at VeritasDentalResources.com or check out our website. We have a contact form on our website, VeritasDentalResources.com. And thank you so much. I know you're busy. You've created a phenomenal company and I believe you're doing a wonderful service for the dental providers. And I can't thank you enough. You've been listening to Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, training, and development. I want to give a special thanks again to Mr. David Wolf and his team for producing these podcasts. And I want to thank our sponsors, Henry Schein, Patterson Dental, On Demand, and Vocal. Without their support, these podcasts would be extremely difficult. I hope our listeners have learned something. I know I did. And Ben, thank you again for your expertise. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And I look forward to us talking in the future. I also look forward to you helping me in my own business. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Kevin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.